that's me Every day, HC, F3, that's me Every day, HC, F3, that's me Every day, HC, F3, that's me Every day, HC Men of F3, this is Red Light from Gold Rush. And this is Miles. It is a beautiful day. It is warming up. And I can't be more excited to not have five layers on in the morning. Oh my gosh, me too. And we got the special privilege of having a guest with us today. We got a high impact man named Clove. And don't you love the music oh, that yeah. we've got going on? We got some personally um, personally produced beats for you guys today from <laughs> we our did. master mixer. <laughs> Mr. Clove. Clove, it's great to have you with us this morning. Hey, good to be here. Thanks a lot. Well, well, we do have this concept, Clove, where we want to build a gymnasium for relationships. And we just finished a podcast with a special guest, Honey Bear, where he helped uh, provide recommendations and thoughts about being a dad to children and had some great things to say, some real I had a, a lot of great feedback from guys about it. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're really excited to have you join us and to talk about raising up boys specifically. So if you're listening to the podcast, we got, we've got a treat for you today to think about what does it take to take a boy to a man? Reminds me of maybe one of my favorite musical groups, Boys to Men. Maybe you can help us with that, bro. Do you have some? Yeah, I know. Boys to men. Stuff in there. Recollections. It's so hard to say goodbye. <laughs> it's so hard. I'm going to be to singing say that. goodbye. <laughs> to yesterday. Oh, gosh. You guys are good. All right. That's the end of the road, okay? <laughs> that is good. <laughs> yes. Well, <clears throat> yes. Well, so guys, yeah, last week we covered more shield lock material with Honey Bear. And heard some great stuff. This week, we're kind of delving in, just going deeper, and specifically about raising boys. So, Wait a second. Where did you work out this morning, you guys? What did you do? Where were you? I was over tapping the root uh, in Taproot, West Roseville, with a bunch of guys. Okay. Good to see the brothers. Yeah. It was uh, El Barto, Bartman, I guess it's Spanish. He started in Spanish, and I was, of course, I speak Spanish, so I was stoked about that, but you know. It was kind of kind of an odd odd thing. El Barto, did you guys know that he goes by that? I, I saw that on the uh, calendar, so yeah, it's news to me. It, it, and it won't be a surprise. He can count in Spanish. He's that guy's good with numbers. Yeah, his math teacher dude. So that's good. Clove, <laughs> I uh, I actually queued this morning, and I was over at Spartan. Wow, which is a, a new temporary a one. temporary yeah. AO. I think it's going to stick though. We've we've had some good numbers there. You guys should come out. Awesome, love to. I I went up to Rubicon, a neighboring region, and hung out with almost all of my shield lock. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, almost everyone was there. Red light. Yes. Well, yeah. Dar darn it. Um, I I forgot that I had talked about going to the Crown <laughs> in a casual conversation, but that's okay. We prayed for you. Yeah, I need I need the prayer. <laughs> I was I was at the Crown, and wow, what a sight that is! The oh. stairs that yeah. make the shape of a crown. What a feat that is! Yeah. Uh, what an excellent sight to put in a great workout. I was really impressed with that. Yeah, I got a question for you about the Spartan though. Where would you put it in between the Titan and the Turtles? Where, where is the Spartan on that range? The turtles. Oh, you're talking about the playground. <laughs> uh, I was, a couple of workouts. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm a little I, more on the turtle side of things. But no, no. I was no. late to the party. I think I got you now. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was Spartan. Pretty good beat down though, huh? Yeah, you know, we we tried to introduce or bring back some old uh, favorites. So a lot of people don't know what vacuum cleaners are. Oh yeah, they do now. So uh -huh. yeah, we did some vacuum cleaners and some London bridges. Uh, shout out to Dome. Oh. Dome. Awesome. Well, lest those vacuum cleaners suck the life out of us, why don't we go ahead and get started for today? Miles, what do you got? Well, I think, you know, ultimately, uh, as we practice relationships and think about sons, uh, I, you know, as a man, uh, you, there's sometimes there's uh, a, an understanding that men can't show emotion or men somehow are weak if they show emotion. 
And I, I think, Red Light, you and I are trying to trying to paint a different picture where you can be strong in expressing your emotion and being vulnerable. And and that, that idea that we're stronger when we uh, can express and, and engage people at a relational level, and we invite them into a deeper level when we include our emotions. And it's not, it's not out of control emotions, uh, but I think we're stronger when we're vulnerable ultimately, and certainly as dads in the gymnasium of relationships and shield locks, you should be building that vulnerability. And how do we raise boys to do that is part of our conversation today. Yeah, well, and I know, I know a number of us are working on it ourselves as men. Um, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of guys didn't grow up with the perfect combo of strong dad and vulnerable dad. We sometimes got one yeah. or the other or something wholly different. And no disrespect to those dads, um, but sometimes there's things that we have to update our own growth and development in. And uh, there's nothing like having kids or being around kids or even just being around others. And sometimes our own raw spots get triggered. Yeah. So we'll talk more about that. Clove, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us about your family and, and uh, more about you? Yeah, I, I want to speak on that uh, vulnerable dad thing just really quick, though, because you, you actually uh, triggered a, a memory that I had. And, and I'll just ask you guys the question. I think one one. Uh, issue that we struggle. One reason why we struggle with that is I'll ask you guys, kid falls down, scrapes his elbow. What do dads usually say as soon as that happens? Get up. You're fine. Shake it off. Stop crying. Yeah. Rub some dirt on it. Yeah. So (laughs) imagine, you know, doing that for five or six years and then, you know, now you're an adult and it's hard to show those emotions. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, yeah. So, uh, I, uh, I, since t- from 2003 to 2014 or 17, I worked for a after school program. Um, I actually met my wife there. Uh, we did after school care, but we also were contracted by school districts to implement uh, educational programs. So um, I had a little over 14 years of a, uh, uh, I guess, accreditation program to learning how to work with children emotions and I'm still learning every day, but it definitely, definitely helped me out. And, uh, I had a different perspective on how, what kind of parent I was going to be, um, the first half of my career there versus the second half. So, and it was all through experience that shifted that. Wow. Well, I can't wait to hear more about that. You want to tell us about your, your family and how many kids you have and yeah, uh, I grew up, well, uh, yeah, I have a, a wife, um, and I have uh, two kids, six, ages six and nine, and uh, we live in Roseville, and uh, we're busy. They're they're both doing baseball right now. We'll be, be doing soccer in the fall, and um, we do basketball, so it's just it's a lot of fun. It's a it's an awesome stage, life stage to be in right now. Awesome. Well, we want to draw upon all your experience, both as a dad, as an after-school educator, and also as a guy who's doing a lot of coaching of youth sports and, mm-hmm. from what I understand, very involved in your kids' lives. And so we just appreciate you sharing you know, kind of what's working, what's not working, and where do you, where do you need some more refinement and growth, and, and also let's celebrate the good. A lot of good things out there that the men are doing. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll say I know it's cliche in the F3 world, but I, I do say this in all seriousness. I am not a professional. <laughs> and I, I say that just because, you know, it, it's hard to not I, I don't ever want to come off as a know it all. You know, I, I I tend to have a lot of ideas on the how I should be parenting, but also application is, is the trick. That's the that's the challenge right there is the application of how to how to do it. Yeah. I like to think we're trying to set the table here, both you guys as dads sharing some personal experience. I, I will sometimes share some stuff from my professional training as a psychologist, um, but wisdom is is putting into practice. It's just exactly what mm-hmm. you said there about the application. And so we'll try to set the table with lots of goods, but we trust that you men will grab hold of what you need to, and you'll know what you need to based on conversations with Shieldlock, with friends, with your spouse, and issues that you know that are happening. That's great, Clove. Uh, as you look back, uh, since your six and nine-year-old boys were born, mm-hmm. and could you articulate 
for us perhaps a couple moments that are really strong uh, and, and those high points in your relationship with the boys uh, in growing up? Do, do any, any moments come to mind when you think, man, we were really in relational rhythm w- with my sons uh, all together when these moments happened? Uh, do you have any of those high points in your relationship with your boys? Yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I've actually struggled with my oldest one. Um, and I think we're, we're maybe hitting that rhythm right now. And, uh, you know, it's really funny because I, I always said, you know, I'm going to, um, I'm not a big screen time dad, you know, and, and video games are bad mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, but during rainy season, I started introducing video games, but I thought, oh, well, I'll do the Sega Genesis because those mm-hmm. aren't really addicting or whatnot. <laughs> That eventually turned into a Nintendo Switch, um, and you know uh, my oldest son is obsessed with Minecraft. I'm not really that into it, but it is my avenue to to connect with him. So I've been playing a lot of Minecraft with him, and um, you know I have seen you know he just his hugs are different when we go to bed hmm. um, and just throughout the day. So I've started just to. Uh, dive into his world a lot more in that um, even though it's not something that I particularly would do on my own, but since it's, it's what he's into, that's, that's really been beneficial for our relationship. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, for me uh, thinking back uh, when they were young, I, I remember my oldest son, he was really organized and thoughtful and, and I remember this moment when he was probably five years old and, and he was up in the middle of the night and I was like, man, just go to bed. This guy needs to go to bed and I had to work in the morning. And I just kind of set my frustration aside and I started like taking these dinosaurs and setting them out. And he was like, his eyes lit up. I, I'll never forget this moment. And he started like putting them next to mine. And then we started organizing them in groups and then lining them up. And we spent probably two hours just lining up. We didn't say a word, but all we did was line up dinosaurs. And I remember thinking, we're kind of connecting, you Mm, know? And, and it was such a neat, and I forgot about the tiredness and I thought, man, that's such, and he remembers that today. He still remembers that. Um, and, and I also remember, you know, our, me and my sons were into monster trucks and we had all the cars and we went to a monster truck rally and we saw the grave digger yeah. live Ooh. and they were like, I have the toy car <laughs> and this is the real thing. And I just remember that moment being uh, a real, a real neat connect. And so I just recognized when I'm invested in what they're interested in, we bond better instead of right. trying to force them into something like you said, with Minecraft, mm-hmm. uh, it's not what you're particularly interested in, but when you invest in them and let them choose the experience, you make a connection. Right, exactly. So That, that takes some uh, character, though, right, to, for you guys to be able to kind of empty yourself of some amount of your own pleasure or your own interests to then be able to be present for the other. And um, some of you might remember this character. He's a Jewish carpenter guy named Jesus. But, um, but, Heard of him. but it is said of him um, in the book of Philippians that he empties himself of a number of things hmm. in order to be able to be present with us in certain ways. I think, there's a, I think there's a little something there. Some dads need their kids to mirror them all the time. And, of course, that doesn't help the kids' identity development. But what, what you guys both just said sounds like an example of actually, no, you're like, tuning into them and to their world. And obviously it can't be always about just one or the other, but um, those are awesome examples. I felt kind of moved by both those. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Minecraft and dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> and there, there's, you know, as, as they're older, like my college student, my college son and my high school son now, uh, there's different ways of connecting with them and, and still engaging. And, and so, uh, my, my oldest son's into engineering. And so we look at robots together. My second son plays basketball. So I coached him. I go to his games. I know who his friends are. And, and so there's different connections, even at the older levels, but, but Clove, you know, when you think back with your boys, there's probably some low points 
you know, oh, yeah. some challenges that you faced in raising up sons. And can, can you share with us or enlighten us any of those, you know, you know, those moments and help take us to those? And I'm sure a lot of us can relate to that. Yeah. Um, I mean, the challenges is, you know, I, I want, um, you know, it, it's hard for me to, my oldest is, is, uh, you know, somebody that he can, he can have the greatest day ever. And then, you know, he has to tie his shoes or something and it's Mm -hmm. just a meltdown. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's seriously where I, and my youngest is very determined. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't know how to tie his shoes and I can't still can't tie his shoes because he wants to do it, you know? So, uh, it's, you know, kind of helping my oldest with the resiliency and just, you know, attacking your challenges, you know, and just going after it. And, uh, yeah. And the, I mean, my, my youngest, uh, like I said, he's really determined, but he's, we challenge with that as well. It's, it's, it's a good thing and, and a challenge because, uh, he, he, he doesn't need help with anything. And a lot of things that he's working through, he's not able to accomplish yet but we can't tell him, you know, he, he doesn't want to hear it. You know, uh, he's, he's the one that's never going to fall down and break his arm. And, and, and then, you know, he falls down and breaks his arm and he'll tell you it's not broken. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> there's a, there's definitely challenges, but, um, I, I, I am similar like my oldest son where I have one obstacle out of an amazing day and it does weigh on my mind as well. Mm. So that's why I struggle not being able to give him the tools. Cause I don't, I'm still looking for him myself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, as adults, you know, we'll get into that in a further question too, but we have gaps mm-hmm. that we're still working on. And, and I think, you know, I just remember, uh, my, my children being in sports and, you know, I, I played soccer in college and there's actually, I mean, I've gone to the history of my surgeries and I was out of sports for a year and then, in elementary school. And once I got healed, I was like all in for sports and no one ever had to tell me to try hard. I was the hardest working athlete and gave everything. And so I couldn't wait for my kids to play sports. Like I just couldn't wait for it. And I was a coach for a high school varsity sports before I had kids. And I played soccer in college, like I said. And so my kids played soccer, basketball, baseball, and I coached a lot of them. And, and I just remember this moment where I was so frustrated because my sons weren't trying hard. And I had this, like this anticipation in my head of what they should be doing. And there were times where they weren't even paying attention, you know, when they should have been. And, and I remember being so frustrated and it was all in, it was the internal game. No one, you know, no one around me was frustrated. It was just all inside of me. And, you know, the low point of realization that my sons aren't going to be professional athletes happened. And that was a challenge. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, here, here, we're going to dive into the vulnerable pool because, uh, Mm. I, in a game, uh, yelled at my five-year-old and had him cry off the court because mm-hmm. he let a ball go out of bounds. Yeah. So he, he, and that was like in the first quarter. So he sat the whole rest of the game. My, my wife came to the, uh, the bench and held him and he cried the whole rest of the game. And that mm. was, that's, that's the coach that, mm. you know, so that was not a good look or a good, uh, a moment in my coaching career. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good segue to, um, to thinking about how our own relational histories impact the kind of dads or the kind of mentors that we are. Mm-hmm. And both of you guys just gave an example, if I dare, um, that your own, something about you and your history that was important to you or a strength you wanted them to have or something, but something may have gotten triggered um, that might help us understand why such and such might be so important. But, um, and again, you guys feel free to push back if that's not accurate or not, but but any further comment on how your own personal stuff, when you think of your dad or your relationship with your parents, do any of those things ever show up as raw spots in you that then become a challenge with your kids? Yeah. So <clears throat> I don't know if I have, if it, I'm anticipating 
a challenge uh, that because it's a challenge I currently have with my my dad. Um, we kind of have this me and my wife kind of have this joke. Uh, she'll be like, hey, did you talk to your dad today? And I'll be like, yeah, babe, the Kings played last night. Because if the Kings are playing, that's like, we'll, we'll talk about the game. Well, did they play last night? The Warriors <laughs> played last night, really. Um, but when the, the, when the basketball season's over, uh, those conversations are further and fewer between. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it, it's challenging. I mean, I'm basically marking a calendar, a day on the calendar of call your dad. And when I call my dad, you know, I love my dad and my dad was a great dad. And, but we're minute 32 minutes tops on the conversation. So, um, I don't want that for my kids. So when, you know, when they were really little, even when they could barely talk, it was a five minute drive to daycare and I would turn down sports talk radio, which I hate to do. And I would talk to them and it didn't matter what we were talking about. It was just that we were talking and um, then when they even got a little bit older, I would lay on the bed at bedtime and I'd say, let's talk about life. And I would let them lead the conversation. And life just meant whatever they wanted to talk mm-hmm. about. It could have been about Legos. It doesn't matter. It's just practicing talking. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're walking to school and, and we are talking. And, and it's, it's not easy for me or them. Uh, sometimes they don't feel like talking and, and I don't either. But mm-hmm. I I don't want to have those two minute phone call conversations when my boys become adults and I'm older. Mm-hmm. What a great example. So something that is kind of a vulnerable thing for you and your dad, sounds like you're turning that into, I want to really work on that with my boys mm-hmm. uh, and have that might even be a, a strength that they feel so heard and that mm-hmm. been talking with them for years and enjoy just my phrase populating their heart. Mm-hmm. with your presence, with mm-hmm. your voice, with your interactions with them. And uh, that's actually really inspiring. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, if, if I can, I want to share something that I think is really important. Actually, we're a little short on okay, time. Okay, yeah, so <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just continue <laughs> on. Just but I, I do think this is critical for boys. Uh, and I, I stumbled upon this. Uh, I accidentally went to a relationships retreat through, through my church. Uh, before my children were at that age. And so I volunteered uh, in, in the middle school and went to a relationships retreat where they talked about purity. And I couldn't believe the kinds of topics that were discussed at that retreat and thought, my son is about to enter this group and I haven't had any of these conversations with him. And so my son, the next year was entering into middle school and I was with eighth graders on that trip. And I was like, if you're not talking with your kids about these topics, they're talking with their friends and issues of purity are so critical for dads to engage. And so you brought up a history thing. And so I stumbled upon that realization on accident and I reflected that. I never once had a purity conversation with my dad. My dad, I I love my dad. My dad has passed away for 13 years. He's been passed away, but I I love him dearly, but we never had the deep connection and purity conversation. So I rushed home and I engaged and opened a dialogue with my kids about purity. And I said, I want you to feel comfortable to share anything with me and know you're not going to get in trouble. This isn't, this isn't a, this isn't a, you're bad kind of thing. This is we're, we're getting better together. And if we can't share with each other, who, who can you share with? And those relationships are not the ones you want influencing your children. And so both my sons, we have an open dialogue about purity. And I'm so thankful that I stumbled upon that realization that I know I can check in with my sons about how you doing. And we both, all three of us can talk about it. And so I think that that's really important because we have gaps and that was a gap for me in my history. Yeah. Both of those examples are really inspiring. And, um, you're both, both of your levels of awareness, right? Just that you're aware that that wasn't something that was strong with your dads. 
I think are allowing you to make choices to integrate that into your relationship. But one thing I find a lot of is sometimes we're kind of unaware um, when I'm working with clients or when I'm working um, even in my educational roles. Sometimes people are not aware of what is behind the trigger. All we know is I got really upset with the kid, or I, I about lost my you know conniption, da da da, and and um, but so just your awareness, and sometimes that requires doing some of your own soul work, right? Being in mm-hmm. a shield lock, where you're telling your story, you're identifying your own triggers, identifying things maybe you needed from your dad or mom. Um, no disrespect to them, but it's kind of like emotional spiritual accounting. It's good to know what you have in your bank account before you to go out and spend you know, or something you don't have. And um, so anyway, I appreciate both your examples, but I think they illustrate both of you have some awareness about what didn't go so well and you're being intentional to try to make that better. And I uh, appreciate hearing about that. So it maybe, um, yeah, Miles, what are you thinking? Well, I mean, really when you're parenting boys and getting to the heart um, and, and trying to affect their behavior, you know, I think there's, that's really important for men and and your M to connect with boys at that level, to get to their heart, to help them feel, to affect their behavior. I think often, uh, Cloven, feel free to step in here. I think we get focused on boys' behavior, and I think that's a lot of challenges they face in schools. You guys know I'm an educator, been working in education for many years like Clove, and you know, I think sometimes boys can be uh, challenged with behavioral issues when it really is a matter of their heart. And sitting and listening for hours and hours and hours isn't a natural fit for a young boy, I think, often. And and, and it can be challenging for girls, too, but we're just focusing on boys right now, I think, in in large part generalizations of getting to the heart can help affect a behavioral issue. And and how we do that is really important as parents because the school is not going to be able to do that often. Um, so any thoughts from you guys about how do you get to the heart? How do you get there? How do we engage that? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, one thing that I try to recognize and just keep it, you know, steady in my head is I'm not in the, I'm not trying to correct the necessary behavior and meaning, you know, I, I know what it takes to make my kids compliant. Um, but I don't want them to just necessarily comply. I want them, uh, you know, there's a saying, an old saying, it says to, to discipline means to disciple. And Mm. I think that, I think that people don't, that's where we're, we're lacking is mm. there's teachable moments every day. And, you know, discipling is not telling somebody to stop doing that, you know, mm-hmm. or just, you know, I heard, I just recently heard on, on YouTube, what you, what you just said, I think we watched mm-hmm. the same video about boys in a classroom for six hours a day. Mm. It's just not, that's not ideal for their, uh, learning. So I think when we see these certain behaviors, we're labeling them as bad behaviors and we're not looking deeper beyond that behavior. What's causing that behavior? Yeah. I mean, I I was spanked as a child, you know, and, and you think about that, you think about, uh, behavior correction instead of getting to the heart. My school spanked us. My, My school was allowed to spank us and my parents did that. Um, you know, th- th- that, that way of going about correcting behavior, you know, c- it's, it's important for us to get to the heart and understand the root cause of the issue. And, and, uh, sometimes, um, getting, uh, understanding what the issue is can help address the behavior, uh, differently. And so I always, always wondered, you know, how, um, teachers that want to control a classroom that's too loud by yelling, you know, adding a noise to control noise shouldn't be a solution, right? And so doing a behavior that's questionable to correct a behavior, you should really think about that, you know? And, and so that's just an analogy. I would say, too, um, I think there's a place for focusing on certain behaviors sometimes. 
um, particularly certain problem behaviors. But, but the emphasis on, um, I think, in the parenting literature and even the kind of the biblical literature for those that are um, that like like to hear about that, but is it's really about connection before correction. Mm-hmm. And I've said that before. You probably heard me say it, but um. But you can model, this is where I think that strength and vulnerability piece, right? When you can model to your kid that you can talk about some age-appropriate challenges in your day. You can model what it's like to talk about, I had a hard day at work too, boys. And um, Mm -hmm. you can normalize for your kids that it's okay for you guys to do what I'm doing. And it's okay for us to sit with mom and hear mom sometimes talk about her hard day. But just just the modeling of we're, we're just connecting as a family about all sorts of things. Some guys use the roses and thorns at the dinner table. Hey, let's talk about a positive and let's talk about a hard thing. But um, you're, to use that phrase again, you're populating your heart or the heart of the children with these experiences. And uh, like the image of you just laying on your bed with your kids or you lining mm-hmm. up the dinosaurs. Like imagine if you have you know a thousand or two thousand of those in a kid's heart. My dad was just able to just be with me, and I could play. I could be, yeah. Um, you know, I could be almost like a kind of reverie and just kind of like be, be there. But th- that's like really good groundwork. It's like laying the groundwork for later being able to talk about other things, and um, and not the least of which, but you you won't be surprised to hear me say this, <coughs> that fathers set such a template in their hearts for how kids imagine even God to be mm. uh, fathers and yeah. mothers. Actually it's both, but, but so, you know, if you're always, if you're correcting every moment or mm-hmm. everything, you will probably put in your the heart of a child that, you know, the kind of God that is like trying to parent every single behavior and, and make a little Pharisee or a little perfectionist or something mm. versus you giving grace, appropriate amounts of grace and truth and structure. Like, Chances are they'll they'll develop an imagination for the God who exists who's like that, and uh, but anyway, so I can't say enough about how important this is this connection piece. And uh, but Clove, any thoughts about that? Or well, yeah, you or? you just triggered a thought in my head, but just going back to talking to your kids because and and Miles mentioned the purity conversation. Those conversations aren't going to come naturally if we're not if we're not talking about their Legos and their their just their world when they're four, mm-hmm. it, you know, you can't just, you know, Hey, when my kid turn, turns 13, we're going to have the talk, but we've, yeah. we've never had any we've talk never, prior, yeah. you know? And, and there is a quote I want to just mention on here that I, I love, and I might be misquoting it here or there, but it says, you know, if you don't listen to your children's problems when they're little, they're not going to share their problems, their bigger problems when they're bigger, mm-hmm. because to them, all of their problems are big problems. Yeah. So you just have to be intentional and have a listening ear, but just a, an open dialogue from from their for their entire life, you know. Yeah, that's great. I need to write that down. That's a great quote. Yeah. Okay. That was good. And so connection, right? This bonding idea with your boys. I think we're kind of heading we're getting into that here. And the growth model, right? And, and this, this model is, is kind of a stream or, or a theme anyway with our podcast here and how you grow deep with one another. It, and a lot of it begins with connection. And we think about when we were young and our gaps in connection or limits there could affect our own parenting. But we have to fill those gaps when we're a parent so we can be the right parent to our kids and make sure i think one thing we want to send a message from all of us and is that make sure you're bonding with your boys and and we're you know clove and red light and i are, are sharing thoughts but get to know your boys uh, and what we share might not work for them uh, but you have to bond you have to have that bond with them uh, it's so critical for their growth and development in a healthy, so that they can go and connect with others. If you don't do that with them, they won't be able to do that with others, right? Absolutely, so true. It used to be thought a couple generations ago, and, and again, some of the guys are still around that believe this because this is what they inherited, but they used to say, you know, be a little bit not so bonded with your boys, be rough with them, be um, stern with them so that you can make a man out of them. Hmm. 
And uh, there's whole there's whole cultures of the world that have, have a misunderstanding about this. But the research has actually found that by bonding and having deep and intimate relationships with them, it actually makes the boys more resilient. Mm. Like they're they're more warrior like. They're more willing to explore the world and do hard things and take risks because the bonding is like it's the very bottom layer of foundation for everything hmm. and if you don't feel safe and connected to a dad who's there who's going to be there you have that confidence um that it, it makes kids anxious and fearful so um so we can't uh, estimate enough the models of manhood and, and my father's generation my grandfather's was you know i love i love clint eastwood films and those westerns and whatnot but there's not a lot of emotional bonding happening <laughs> and um, and um but we know better, and but it's good for us to get practice. And not every guy has. I certainly didn't get it. I, I didn't get it until I became an adult to learn how to connect at an emotional, deeper level. But um, but it's something that I think we all can work on. Um, and it, yeah, you you know, going back to like when your child falls down, scrapes their knee, and we're you know, you're telling them to stop crying. You're okay. You're you're not validating their feelings. So if you really analyze mm -hmm. that behavior as a parent, you're telling them that their emotions that they're feeling at that moment are incorrect. And that causes them to question themselves. Mm. And if they're doing, if you, you know, if that's your, your natural reaction to every time they fall down or they feel scared or nervous or just hurt and, and that's just been programmed into them, mm. you got to just imagine how they're going to feel as an adult where I, where if you do the opposite, they, they fall, scrape their knee, they're crying mm -hmm. and you're comforting them and being understanding and with them, you're actually building confidence and courage that they feel okay. That they it's, it's okay that this is how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. So true. I think in a similar path as boys develop into men, we have to help them identify boundaries and uh, where they should place limits or where they can identify where they end and someone else begins. Uh, separating themselves from some circumstances because we can bond, but at some point we have to help people, our sons, realize that I can be in a space with someone and I'm not bonded to them and that's part of them. And they can separate from evil and bad decisions. And, and so placing boundaries is something that sons need help with. Uh, they, they, need, they need structure in. And modeling that as a dad and helping boys identify boundaries. Um, Clove, have you, have you had to do that at all with your sons at, at their stage? Uh, yeah, we're, we're still in the uh, developmental stages of that, though, and, and any input or suggestions you guys have, this is definitely not where I am excelling at at the moment. So, Well, I think um, if, if your sons don't have cell phones yet, you know, the boundaries placed around cell phones is a really healthy one uh, for even device use and time, and, and it can become a relationship at some point where you feel addicted to it or, you know, you need to have it. And, and, uh, I, that's one, that's one in my son's older years. In fact, um, I think my son right now is experiencing some boundaries with his cell phone right now as we speak. And, uh, it's been good because, um, he's had his head up more and more present and, uh, it's been a good thing, but even relationally, you know, red light, we've talked about boundaries and, helping identify because once you bond with someone then as you grow older and develop more like when you bond with your mother you know that you need you need your mother and then at some point as you develop you realize oh i'm my own self this is my hand this is i can get my own food i can comfort myself when i'm upset and and those boundaries at a very developmental level is important so true, so true. Um, you think about you think about moms, like moms. Um, some women sometimes struggle more with boundaries because if you think about it, they're set up to like meet the needs of kids that can't even talk. They're so oriented towards the needs of others, and so there's a real strength with that. But also, at a certain point in time, 
those moms have to exercise some boundaries with kids. Otherwise, you could make a child uh, more dependent and prevent their development. But like those terrible twos that you guys hear people talk about, right? Oh, my kids and they're terrible twos. That's kind of the beginning of boundary setting. Kids are learning that they have a no, that they mm. have a will. And, um, and it's not fun for parents, but there's a, way to, there's a way to smash that down in a kid. And there's also a way to acknowledge there's something really important going on developmentally. They're mm-hmm. learning how to mm-hmm. say yes and say no. And it's your job as the parent to set kind of the parameters for reality. They can say no to certain things, but you teach them that there are certain consequences that come with that. And you can deliver that without getting triggered. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's, it may take some practice. But those teenage years is kind of like a round two of that. Uh, well, maybe round 20. Uh, the terrible twos and those terrible teenage years where kids are pressing boundaries and they're exploring. And so there's developmentally really important things that are happening. But at the same time, that's where if you have a really strong base of connection, you can lovingly deliver structure, lovingly deliver boundaries. And it's hard to do and it can trigger all sorts of issues for us, but it's really critical to raising healthy kids. All the best research in the world on parenting says these two things and is bonding and boundaries. Mm-hmm. And dialing that in at the right time and the right way. It's not an easy recipe. There are different circumstances. Some kids have unique unique needs and challenges, but but that's those are the two main ingredients that have to be parceled out. Yeah, good. I I, I, t- I like the way you share that um, when you talk about a sword, mm-hmm. you know, and when and when not to use it. Mm-hmm. But we have a sword in uh, the boundaries, you know, as, as as boys develop, you know, when and when not to use that sword and be there. There's there's something useful for a, a man that can be an absolute monster. You know, Jordan Peterson talks about the usefulness of a monster to slay a dragon to get to the prize Mm -hmm. and you can do something with that but if you have no ability to be a monster and then you really can't do anything with that and and the usefulness and so i think boundaries applies here like when is appropriate and when is it not and the honing of that skill and the development of the aggressiveness, the competitiveness, the a lot of things that I've experienced in my own life and, and, and witnessed within my sons, those terms come out a lot more with them, what I just shared, than with my daughter. And, and so how we control the aggressiveness and competitiveness is really important and part of our maturity. Um, so the boundaries around certain aspects that are valuable um, I, I'm, I'm witnessing within my sons. It's a big theme. We talk about it in a lot of our shield locks, so there's more to say on it, but um, yeah, but anyway, good stuff. Any, any further thoughts on that or do you want to move yeah, on to close. the next one? Okay. <clears throat> the next, the next component of the growth model is what we call integrating good and bad. And remember, if you want to read more about this, John Townsend, Henry Cloud have written lots of books on uh, how people grow or boundaries with kids or boundaries in marriage. And so there's good resources out there. But integrating good and bad is another really important developmental task, right? Um, if you can't integrate good and bad, you might make your mom or dad all bad or mm-hmm. you might make yourself all bad. And so being able to integrate is like, you know, it, it requires a lot of practice. And a dad could say, gosh, son, that was like really a hard thing that happened at school and your teacher did use some strong boundaries with you and um and it might go i'm wow son you got a technical in the basketball game today (laughs) wow uh and this really happened but continue go ahead with your example well that's it oh (laughs) but continue with that example because that yeah yeah, so gosh, I hey, I admire your aggression. You really had you had access to your sword. Yeah. You fouled that guy really hard. He he made you angry. <laughs> and so maybe there's a way to affirm there's something in there that you want to cultivate, but also hey, there are also limits. You're not allowed to punch people in the face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry if that's not G-rated enough. But um, but um but yeah, but so finding the good and the bad in that, right? If you just make the kid all bad. Yeah. I'm going to punish you till next yeah. You know, yeah. summer. 
then they're going to probably think of itself as all bad. Hmm. You know what all bad people sometimes are prone to do, other behaviors that are really even worse. Um, but if you can help find, find the nuggets of gold that have to be harvested while also trying to refine, you know, burn off the dross. And we do that with our own self, with our parents, with peers. That kid was mean. That hmm. kid was a jerk face. Hmm. Yeah, he was. What did he do? And was, was there anything you did that might have just, you know, been a part of the interaction? If they if the kid can't see their own yeah. part, that's yeah. not good, right? They're they're demonizing the other kid. So it's it's the both end. It's not either or. It's both end. Um, so it's a really important task. And a lot of men need this in our own hearts too. By the way, um, you know, in our shield locks or with a gymnasium of relationships, we, we can talk about where we're beating our own selves up. We sometimes feel horrible. That's so good. I remember I can come down on hard on my son sometimes. And I remember having this conversation with my son and saying, man, you're spending a lot of time on video games. What are you going to do with your life? Like, what are you going to do? Like what, what? And I just remember coming really hard, hard, really hard on him about that. And he, I said, you know, what is it? What is it in your life that, you know, you can tell me about? And he goes, I hope I'm a good son. <laughs> and it totally changed me. Like in that moment, he said, I go, he's a great son, you know? And, and he was able to identify the good and the bad in the moment. And, and it changed my perspective when I was coming pretty hard at him. And, yeah. and uh, you know, it was such a good comment. It was like the only thing that could make me take a step back. And, um, and so when you were sharing about the good and the bad, uh, that, that story came to mind. Yeah. And, you know, I, I struggle integrating the good and the bad, um, but I do, I do know what I need to do to, to, help, to help overcome that. And, and we're going back to the application, though, is the challenge. And that is, you know, trying not to discipline in anger. Yeah. So reacting to, I mean, there's stuff that happens weekly at school and, uh, you know, we don't even get the full story and we're, we're just reacting. And, uh, so yeah, just talking with your kid once again, go, we're circling back to that too. Just, you know, talking with them and figuring out cause every time I've disciplined out of anger, a hundred percent of the time I've always regretted it. Mm. Always. That's good. How do you do that? So Clove play it out for me, you know, cause we say things, but let's give guys some pride. What you're angry and the moment's happened, the the child needs to be corrected. It's your six year old. How do you pause from the reaction, or what do you do in that case? I mean, I, I fail a lot in that case, but you just got to be mindful. I, you have to reflect on the last time that you did discipline out of anger and how it made you feel. Um, hmm. You know, I, I've benefited, you know, sometimes I get a text message from my wife about what had happened and I'm not physically present with my, my, my child. Oh, yeah. And and then I, you know, I recognize that when I get home or when they get home, the dialogue seems to go so much better. So, I mean, sometimes it's out of my, the practice happens out of my control just because my child's not physically near me. Yeah. Um, but just be mindful. I mean, if you're listening to this now, if it's the first time you've heard it, Think about this the next time and just be, be patient. I, I have, you know, in, in my work environment, we always used to say, you know, proaction versus reaction is always better. So when you're react, nothing good comes out of reacting. And as long as your child's not physically harming somebody at the moment, mm -hmm. you know, you, you can take a, a moment and take a breath and really analyze your process on how you're going to handle this situation. It's good. So good. So good. Like we said in some of our um, podcasts related to marriage, but it's okay to take a break too. If you yeah. realize that you're going to say something or do something and uh, child protective services might get called or, or you're going to be ashamed about it later or mm. your wife is going to disrespect you or your kids, it's okay to say, you know what, I'm taking a break. I'm going to go for a walk, and but we're going to talk about this when I get back. Um, in fact, maybe you need to take a break because right now there's some words coming out of your mouth that are not going to help you because you and mom and I are going to sit down and talk, but letting everybody take a break sometimes yeah. 
It might create a little anxiety, like what's going to happen when dad gets back? And that's okay. Um, they, they probably should be a little bit anxious because you have a sword and you're going to be strong, but you're also going to be uh, practicing being mature <clears throat> and practicing engaging. This is called emotion regulation. When you're dysregulated emotionally, you're probably going to do something that you regret, just like I think what you're saying. So, uh, but that's, that's an important thing. Um, I, th I think you guys know I'm taking a class at Stanford, and this one is the connection between brain science and leadership. And uh, one of the first lessons was, was, uh, that was discussed was in entering intense moments. When you enter a room and you know it's intense or you're feeling that it's intense, there's a mental practice that you can do. Mentally, you can go to a place where you are calm and where your conversation was effective. And if you decide to enter that space mentally, your, your physical body will follow. And so sometimes we, there's immediate more requirements in the workplace and even at home where we don't have time even for a break. Uh, highly recommend a break if it's possible, but sometimes quicker decisions need to be made or something has to get done uh, according to a timeline. And, and so mentally going to a place and making a decision to put yourself in that environment where you were effective can help you be more effective uh, with the people around you. So good. All right, then the last element of the growth model is what we call taking ownership and responsibility. So um, one, of the, one of the wisest child psychiatrists in the history of the modern psychology was a guy who said, most kid issues are parenting issues. Now that's not always mm. true. There are exceptions to that. But it's a good, it's a good I think, default to think, what could I be doing that could help either prepare this kid for something more, what skills do I need to teach them, what boundary setting or something, but just taking ownership and responsibility um, for what is yours. Uh, and as the dad, uh, you may have some you know, very unique answers to that question. Um, but so, Clove, as you think about taking ownership and responsibility as a dad, any, anything stand out to you about being a, being a dad or even as a coach uh, to boys? Yeah, um, you know, I just, I always want to just make sure that, um, that I'm present, you know, um, yeah. I try to, you know, I have a unique schedule for work, so, uh, I try to take advantage of that as much as possible. Um, and I, no matter what, you know, I, I, I try to be intentional and, and really good with, with all our areas of parenting, but I fail daily. Um, but one thing that I do like to, uh, just, that I feel like I can say is that I'm, I'm present and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I'm in their classrooms, I'm on the soccer field with them. Um, all of the kids in both of their classes know my name. Um, so, and I just, I, like I said, there's, there's plenty of dads out there that don't have the schedule that permits to that ability. And I don't want that to go to waste because I do so. And that can get swooped away from me at any moment, any moment, my job situation can change. Mm -hmm. My health can change. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's mornings where it is cold outside. We live a few hundred feet from our school. I walk them to school every day with my wife. And there's definitely days I don't feel like walking them to school, hmm. but I know my days of walking them to school are numbered. So why am I going to miss that opportunity? No, that's, great. that's great. Miles, how about you? Anything stand out to you about those ownership and responsibility piece as you think about raising? Yeah. I mean, I love boys. what Clove just shared. And I don't want to lose sight that taking the responsibility of being a dad, what Clove's sharing is he owns being a dad to his sons and he, you know, he, every moment that he gets, he's putting into being that parent. And so I love that. I think on the other side of the coin is helping your sons become responsible. And so I love the responsibility part of the dad. And then 
How do you raise a boy into a man that gradually increases their own recognition and responsibility that they cause and within their own life and situations and, and how they have the capacity for both evil and good and recognizing how they can impact an environment is, is a really sensitive conversation. And I think it begins with, gradual release of 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 your your coddling them and letting them make mistakes and letting them go through challenges and then focusing on their growth and development and taking ownership and and rec and calling it out of them and saying wow i really like how you have owned up to that I really appreciate when you apologize or recognize that when you lost that credit card, that was an impact to the family. True story. <laughs> <laughs> and so the responsibility, calling that out and encouraging that and saying, you know, in a few years, you're going to be out of the house, you know, or driving. The driving situation is a real deal. And letting, letting a, a boy who is not yet a man know that they have a weapon that can cause just incredible destruction and driving a car isn't something to take lightly and looking at your phone and being distracted in places where traffic can be stopped suddenly um it, it can it can call, it can change everyone's life in a moment and you cannot make that mistake and i've told both my sons there are certain mistakes you can't make and, and if you plan appropriately, you know, you can do your best to stay away from us. So, um, you know, a car uh, taking on responsibility has great risk, uh, but a man has to do that. Could you imagine a boy leaving a house, never having had, a, you know, a, a real need to take on responsibility at all? They're going to come back home, right? They're going to be, they're going to, they're not going to do well. Might as well remodel the basement. They're, they're gonna, they're gonna <laughs> Get it ready. Yeah. I do mention that to my, my kids about alcohol Yeah, because, because I don't drink alcohol and we, we have functions. I'm not like, you can, you can have a beer around me. It's not a big deal. Uh, but you know, they would ask like, how come you don't ever have a beer? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, it, it didn't work for me and I, and I had no. to learn the hard way. And, and I mentioned, mm -hmm. you know, and that, that's honestly one of my biggest fears as, as a parent is once they start you know, not, not even well before they become of age, but just when their friends are maybe experiencing having those experiences. So I, I, I mentioned to them the, the severity of what it can turn into. It's good. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been just a brief overview of some important things. Uh, Miles is going to give us a little, little few highlights here in a second, but I just want to say Clove, so awesome to have you join yeah. us today. Yeah, thanks. And uh, look forward to just thinking more about it. And I'm sure guys will have some comments and questions for you, but thanks for joining us. Awesome. Happy to be here. Yeah. I mean, as we reflect on boys becoming men, I think ultimately Clove has, has helped us realize that getting to know your son and building a relationship and going through the growth model and thinking about bonding and boundaries and good and bad and responsibility as a component of your relationship can help. And a clove, I'd love for you to send us out maybe with a thought yeah. and just some recommendation for these guys. Yeah. I know a lot of guys in the gloom know that I coach or they see pictures on Facebook and, and, uh, you know, I don't, there's, there's a lot of challenges that come with coaching. I mentioned to you guys, I, I help out in the classroom periodically. I mean, for parties and whatnot, it's very uncomfortable for me to do that. Um, and it's not necessarily comfortable, you know, there's challenges with coaching. I'm responsible for 10 kids or what. So it's not something that comes natural to me, um, nor sh does it have to. Mm -hmm. And I just encourage you guys, you know, talking to my kids doesn't, isn't always natural, but I'm just going in head first and I'm trying to be present and I'm trying to do the hard things in hopes that maybe one day they'll become easier. But even if they don't, like I look at the regrets or the, the challenges of, of stepping into the classroom per se, you know, usually I'm the only male in there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just, I'm a little bit more reserved. So 
it, it is difficult. And if my wife is ever in there with me, I'm just at her hip, like a little kid, like just <laughs> you tell me what to do. And, and, um, but I just want to encourage you guys that, you know, I don't know if my kids really understand or appreciate it yet. Um, but I do, you know, when I became, I looked at my parents one way when I was before I had kids and then another way when I did have kids and I want my kids one day when they become fathers to be like, man, my dad, he was at, he was, he coached me all the way through yeah. and, and he was in my classroom and, and, you know, where were, where were the other dads, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to, to gloat or anything, you know, cause I don't, it's not always that easy or fun, but it's just the one thing I don't want my kids to say ever is that I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And, and people think that they need to have a, they need to play baseball in college in order to coach T-ball. And that's not the case. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Well, thank, thank you, Chloe, for being here. I appreciate you and your, your, uh, your sharing and vulnerability and men out there get to know your sons. Let's be the dads we should be. Awesome. Good to be with you guys. Thanks.